Thank you for joining us on the Leader Brew podcast. We are on an adventure to explore inspirational leadership stories from the classroom to the real world. In every episode, we'll bring new perspectives and fresh approaches to solving some of today's most complex global leadership problems. We hope you enjoy listening and gaining valuable leadership insights. Now it is my pleasure to introduce you to today's host, Dr. Rick Erwin. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Leader Brew. I am Rick Arrowood and I'm your host today. And today I'm joined by Crystal Jericho, who is joining us from Melbourne, Australia, my second home. So Crystal, it is a pleasure to see you once again in, uh, I guess it's summertime for you. Yes, yes, it's summertime. It's very hot here at the moment. It's about 36, uh, 30 degrees today. So that's lovely. I'm sure it's very cold where you are. Yeah, and so that's 30 degrees Celsius, Celsius. not Fahrenheit. Yes. We're, <laughs> you know, we're at, <laughs> we're we're at 30 now, but it's but it's Fahrenheit. So so good to catch up with you. As you know, really the the whole idea here on the Leader Brew is to catch up with our former students and talk about that experience of going from the classroom to the real world. And I think the second part that we're learning about this podcast is it genuinely helps students who are just about to graduate and are considering what do I do next. And we're we're seeing a great response from students who are saying, you know, it was so good to hear the podcast about and and then they fill in the blank from there. And and so that's really what today today is all about. I mean, usually we we start you off with going back to the to the classroom uh and I do recall your enthusiasm, your energy, your your excitement within the classroom and so tell us about what that experience was like for you. Yeah. Um I really miss it. I really miss your classes. I've done a lot of study particularly like especially in Australia and I just think the global leadership program and those classes were just next level and I think it's that you know like you go into a lot of classes and you get the theory and you just talk through the theory and then you sort of leave and then you kind of have to work it out on yourself but I think in those classes there was a theory but then we just really had a really open dialogue and it was just all you know we wouldn't sit there reading off slides we would sit there talking and and actually understanding and learning what those theories and what those concepts meant in real life and actually using them and, and sort of, you know, doing role plays of coaching and mentoring and, and stuff like that and presentations. So I think that was just the best way for me to learn and probably for a lot of people. And I just found that amazing. Um, and then I'd sort of go to other classes where we'd just sit there and read off slides and I'd be like, this is so boring. <laughs> When I go back to Rick's class. <laughs> so I think that was, it just opened a whole nother way of teaching, I think, and, and learning and learning through practical dialogue and practical experience and actually doing, doing the things that you're learning. So I think that was the biggest thing for me. Oh, that's, that's awesome. You know, one of the things that, that I remember most about you was this yearning for that sense of community. And and you really did take the program and that enthusiasm you have for it. Uh, one, um, develop the relationships, uh, but then also you know staying in touch with with people as well. So tell us tell us about that. 
Yeah, I think it was great. I always say that I was like the token domestic student because there were a lot of international students in the classes. And I think that really helped because it is a global, you know, it's about global leadership. So actually learning about different cultures and working with people from different cultures as opposed to just Australian people in an Australian workplace, you know, like actually learning about how different people work from all around the world really opened me up to that. And it gave me friends all around the world. So, you know, traveling around the world, you can catch up with people wherever you go. And I think that's really amazing. And I love, like, I love traveling. I love meeting new people. I love learning about different cultures and and exploring different cultures. So I think that's really important. And it's something that you don't always get, but because that was so internationally focused, you really did get that. So uh, yeah, I was the token Australian (laughs) in the Melbourne classroom, but it was fantastic. That's awesome. You know, and you think about the demographics of Australia generally, Mm -hmm. but more specifically Melbourne and how it's becoming such an international destination uh, which is turning into international residency as well. So, I mean, even in, in my years, I, I saw the change in patterns. And I would imagine that also translates within the workplace, where the workplaces are much more diverse now in Melbourne than, say, they were 15 or 20 years ago. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And I think we're, we're really positioning Victoria to be an international hub. Um, We want to attract international companies and have international people here and international businesses. So I think that really does help. And I have noticed, I mean, I work in government where they are very much about employing for diversity. So I, I do see it a lot. There is a lot of diversity and it's amazing. Like it just makes work so much better. And the work you produce is so much better because you're getting all different types of perspectives as opposed to a homogenous one. And yeah, that, that really does help. And it's exciting. It's interesting. I mean, it would be boring if we were all the same. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, tell us uh, a little bit about your work and, and how you transitioned into that work. I work in the Victorian government as a senior policy officer. How did I transition into it? It was a little bit of a journey. Um, I originally went into private sector after I finished my double masters, and I found once you learn about culture and leadership, it's really hard to not notice, like walk into an organization and straight away notice what the culture and leadership is. And that becomes like obviously for everyone, it's a very important thing. But once you're very switched on to it. It's very, very, very important. So I worked for a company that it was a great learning experience, but the culture didn't align with my values. Um, So I found that really difficult to be in that environment every day because you're there, you know, five, sometimes six days a week working, you know, nine to five or, you know, sometimes a lot longer. And so being in that environment where you don't feel like you believe in the ethos and the values and the sort of how everything's run can be very difficult. And so I ended up coming across going back to public sector because I had experience from previously. And yeah, it's been amazing. And I think it helps that I really work in, I work in social policy. So it's like the state government really is trying to, um, 
what is it, be really, really great with culture and really improve their culture and work on their culture and make sure that it is a good environment for staff to work, everyone, no matter who you are um, and where you're from. So I think that's good, but also working in an area that's social policy that's about helping community, I think also helps because it aligns so directly with my values and what I want to do that the work is joyful. And so, but it, it took quite a path of self-discovery. Sort of I went through self-discovery in my master's and then left, you know, left uni and went to work and then went through a different different self-discovery of, okay, now I'm here. What do I actually want to be doing every day? And I think that sometimes is the challenge, right? Because you you graduate, you leave school, you're off to what you think is the absolute perfect job, pick the name of the company, and then you get there and you're like, wait, this is you know possibly not the job that was advertised. The culture's not what they what they sort of said. But you know, did did you have moments of where you were like, I, well, I can't quit and, you know, never give up. Let, let me go tackle this. Let me go try and change this culture. Or was it just pretty obvious, too overwhelming? I think I had my moments where I definitely was like, do not quit. And because it was a great job for my resume and a lot of people were like, at least do two years, do not quit now. That will be a mistake. You'll regret it. And so I really tried to knuckle down and I positively influence, I guess, from below. But I think it's the industry as well is there's a certain culture to it. And it just, you know, there's some things that you look at and you go, yeah, I think I can do some good here and I can change it, you know, help change. And then there's some things where you look at it and you go, no, no, this is too big a battle for me. I I don't think I have the have the influence. Um, and I think a lot of it is having the influence and it was a very small company, but I just didn't have, it was very embedded. And it's having that, I guess, having those skills to recognize that and knowing when to, when you can win and when there's time to quit and move on and find something better. And I don't regret it to this day because I did find um, I did find other great opportunities and I've landed exactly where I wanted to land. So, I think all in all, it turned out very good. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Uh, can can you share a little bit about how you got yourself unstuck from that situation? Because you know, we we often think about well, I, I'm in this this job and it's not for me. I'm it's not the right fit for me. But but how how do you actually get yourself motivated at the end of a workday coming from a job that you just clearly don't like? to, okay, there's something better, I can do this. Like, talk to me about that process that you went through. Yeah, I feel like that's a really hard one. And I feel like I've spoken to a lot of people about this because I feel like I've had a lot of friends who may be in a similar position. But then at the end of the day, they're like, I don't have the energy to go home and look for new jobs. Like, I just don't have that energy. So that was really hard. I was kind of lucky because I went back into temping. So I, <laughs> I kind of had a day where I lost it and I said, that's it. And I just sent in my resignation letter. Like I had been trying to look for work, hadn't found anything. And I just kind of snapped and did it, which probably wasn't the best idea. But I had a background in temping. So that really helped. I sort of then, I don't know, I guess sometimes in those situations, it does feel so difficult 
that unless you just kind of pull the pin and jump, like you could just stay there for the next three years, just sort of going, oh, when I have the energy, I'll, I'll leave. When I have the energy, I'll find a new job. But it was sort of like taking that risk. But I mean, it was an educated risk. And I did reach out to my temp agency and they were like, yes, there's work. It's fine. And it kind of felt like a bit of a detour because I was working in marketing and then I wasn't. So so that was a little bit like, oh, but isn't this the career I want? But then I found from taking that risk and making that jump, I found where I actually want to be. And it wasn't in marketing after all that. <laughs> but I do have marketing skills. So that makes me very good at writing media releases and, and speaking notes when I need to. So the skills still come in handy. Well, and that's, I mean, let's face it, that's that's part of the journey. I mean, it's its no longer this notion of a linear path. Uh, you, you, it's really going to take some curves along the way and some twists and turns. And I think it's certainly, you know, we hear a lot about resilience. Clearly, that's a part of it. But I think when we look at the motivation that is required, right, the intensity, the direction, the persistence, I think becomes key because some people will lose that motivation and then they just get stuck in, in that environment. And, and it does become that, that question of, all right, how am I going to persist that that becomes the key? And it sounds like you had a good strategy put into place. Yeah. And I think, I I think the big thing, what you said just there is, Remembering that your career isn't a linear pattern. It's not just, you know, from point A to point B. And I think that's something, I feel like that's something that's really changed over time. And I guess like decades ago, you know, people would get a degree, go and get a job, and then they may stay there for like 40 or 50 years. But now I think like there's, you know, people move around all the time and and people don't stay in jobs for you know, a lot of people don't stay in jobs for a really long time. And I think that's sort of remembering that. And I think also kind of to a point going with the flow and sort of, I guess, just, you know, because we always kind of have like an end goal in mind or an end picture. And sometimes that may end up different. But I found when it's ended up different, it's ended up better than what I'd thought that I could, you know, like I didn't actually even know there was like social policy in government um, before I sort of got here. And then I was like, oh, wow, there's all this work they do in gender equality and equality. This is really cool. I didn't know this was a thing. And so I couldn't have planned for that because I didn't know it was a thing. But then coming across it, being in government and then moving into that field, I'm like, I I love this work. And I wouldn't have found that if I didn't have that flexibility, I guess, and that that flow to sort of see where the waters took me to a point. I mean, you do need to have a little bit of a plan. Getting a degree is a good start. (laughs) A a little bit of a plan is always a a good thing, which is actually a nice segue into one question that we ask on the podcast. And that is, you know, what what would you tell that seven or eight-year-old girl as she's thinking about the future? Well, when I was seven or eight, I wanted to be a famous movie actress. So <laughs> um, I would tell her to maybe, you know, think a bit wider. <laughs> I think about this all the time and I think it's I think it's just really believing in yourself. I know that sounds really cliche um, and there's a lot of um, little plaques that say that sort of thing. But I think like 
there are days when, you know, you get imposter syndrome and you feel like you're not good enough to do the job and why have they hired you and, you know, you sort of, it is, it is sort of like an internal struggle. And I think that's the biggest thing because there's so many people around that will support you, but you also have to support yourself and believe in yourself. And I think that's one thing that, growing up, I really struggled with, but it's something I've really found and it really helps. And so like going for the big dreams and focusing on, you know, getting to that, that goal that you want to get to, like you have to believe in yourself. Otherwise you're, and I think that's where a lot of the motivation comes from. It's like, this is really hard, but I can do it. So I'm going to do it, you know? And I think that's a big thing. Like I've been studying part-time while working full-time for the past few years and people are like, why are you doing this? And I'm like, because I really want to do it and it's a goal and I'm going to get there. But it's through that sheer like perseverance and belief that you will get there, even if there's, you know, a lot of people are supportive, but some people, you know, might, voice their doubts as well and you sort of you got to know I'm gonna do this this is what I'm gonna do so I think for me that's the biggest thing is really really believe in yourself that's that's so awesome to hear well Crystal it has been an absolute pleasure catching up with you today on the leader brew I know that our listeners are going to be uh, motivated from hearing uh, about your journey and I wish you the absolute best going forward Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been great. All right. Take care. So there's another edition of The Leader Brew. Thank you very much for joining us today. And we hope that you enjoy all of these episodes. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Leader Brew podcast. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and share us with others. If you would like to be a guest or a co-host, please reach out to us at www.theleaderbrew.com or on our social media platforms. Be sure to check out our leadership courses at www.weleapforward.org. A special thanks to audio engineer Jared Zimirowski for making us sound great and to Northeastern University and Swinburne University. From the classroom to the real world, we hope that today's Leader Proof podcast ignited the extraordinary leader within.